0: This is Annie Stevens-Gleason, Minister for Worship and Incorporation at the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'd like to welcome you to our worship podcast. Good evening. This is Rev. Gary Lubin serving as deacon with the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer in Cincinnati, Ohio. Welcome to our daily devotion in the early evening for individuals and families which is found on page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Our reading from the Daily Office is Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Now, let us begin our worship together. O gracious light, pure brightness of the ever-living Father in heaven, O Jesus Christ, holy and blessed, now as we come to the setting of the sun, and our eyes behold the vesper light. We sing your praises, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy at all times to be praised by happy voices, O Son of God, O Giver of life, and to be glorified through all the worlds. A reading from the Gospel according to Mark. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of our Lord. Today's reading is from the very first chapter and eight verses of Mark. Mark gets right to it. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God kind of starts off like Genesis, in the beginning. Then, as well as now, I think, it could be the beginning of something new, a recreation of sorts, a second chance, a restart, a reboot. I mean, who would have thought that God would come to us as a human baby in need of everything? An invitation to try God again for the first time, an invitation to imagine God differently than before, free from any preconceived notions. Mark then presents a rapid-fire, kind of pithy, you know, a pithy bullet sumnation of the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and uh, that includes these following eight episodes. So, like number one, the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah predicting the arrival of the messenger John the Baptist. And then number two, John the Baptist, in turn, predicting the coming of Jesus. And then continuing with verses that immediately follow in chapter one, Mark further describes three, John making way for Jesus, and four, John's baptism and recognition of Jesus. Five, as John exits the scene, the testing of Jesus by Satan in the wilderness, He got an A-plus, by the way. Then six, the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, where he first proclaimed, The time is fulfilled and the reign of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. The good news being, God loves you no matter what. No exceptions. Jesus invites us to be part of that good news. Love God and love one another no exceptions. Think and do outside the box. Seven, Jesus then calling the first disciples, some of whom were previous disciples of John, and then eight, Jesus first teaching with authority, it says in the Bible, on the Sabbath in Capernaum, including a healing miracle performed right there in the synagogue In front of everybody, everyone present to see it, for all to behold the word in action. We are now in the third week of Advent. All of what we just have reviewed from chapter 1 of Mark's Gospel describes the advent of Jesus' ministry when he was about 30 years old. You know, much closer to the end of his life on our little blue marble in the backwaters of this Milky Way galaxy than the beginning of it. It is an irony of our religious calendar that here we are awaiting and in great anticipation of Jesus' birthday, only 11 days from today, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus to Mother Mary. Like I said earlier, who would have thought it? We celebrate his beginning in this world as a helpless human being, wholly dependent on others, wholly dependent on us. But there is a kind of divine mea culpa and or quid pro quo going on, and maybe even a little bit morbid because we are so... So dependent on the Jesus who grew up because Jesus' gruesome fate depended on us. I guess that means that we are responsible or irresponsible, as it were, for our own salvation. And that's not funny, Gary, you say. Well, no, it's not. But you know, it's awkwardly true, it's all interwoven. It's all about interdependency. And what was John the Baptist's part in this drama? He was a bridge between the Old Testament or old ways of thinking and doing and the New Testament or the new recreative ways of thinking and doing. And his job as prophet started really early. You remember when a pregnant mother Mary decided to visit her relative Elizabeth, who was pregnant with John, but longer term, by about five months or so, as he recognized his cousin, a jubilant John leapt for joy in Elizabeth's womb in prescient recognition of Jesus. Did you know that in utero babies practice facial expressions? Well, of course you do. Jesus must have been smiling from ear to ear. It was inevitable, though, written in the stars, that John's role would fade like a sun setting on the horizon, while the role of Jesus just began as he entered the world like a rising sun. Dawn of a new day, a new era, fulfillment of prophecy. So let's compare and contrast the dying star and the rising sun. John lived a Spartan existence in desert conditions on a kind of starvation diet of honey and locusts, wearing a very itchy camel's hair coat tied with a simple leather belt. He proclaimed to perform baptisms of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He was a fire and brimstone kind of preacher He talked about axes lying in wait to cut down unworthy trees not bearing good fruit, which would then be thrown into the fire of damnation. He prophesied a coming Messiah would clear the threshing floor with a winnowing fork in hand and then burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. John clearly expects a judgmental Messiah. But, but... God is always doing the unexpected. John baptized for repentance, but Jesus healed for and in the name of love. No locusts and honey for Jesus. Jesus hung around with and dined with outcasts and sinners. John was also about judgment and condemnation. In Jesus, God gives us hope. Hope is a type of expectation also awaiting an outcome, but without much certainty about the journey. Hope is desire accompanied by belief in fulfillment. Hope suggests confidence that something is going to happen. Hope is assurance that what one longs for will come about. Hope its God's gift to see into the future. Although somewhat murkily, to paraphrase Ecclesiastes, God gives us a sense of past and future and has set eternity into our minds and hearts, yet we cannot find out what God has exactly done from beginning to end, and perhaps it's none of our business. We can get a general picture of where we are going, but without all the details, you know. Our business is to make love happen and hope God will be our host to the biggest feast and party ever. Just as Jesus sat with sinners and the last, the least, the lost, the lonely, and left out, Jesus is more about love, grace, mercy, and forgiveness, and inclusion, rather than fire and brimstone and exclusion. So like today, if you hear someone preaching or talking about fire and brimstone and exclusion, be wary. As in those days also, there were other preconceived expectations of who the Messiah should or might be. One example is a political or a military leader who would, you know, change the world order as we know it. Others could be those to whom we impart a projection of false hopes and dreams, of being saved, or a kind of aberrant, self-flagellating following of leaders with false messages of punishment and damnation. All that being said, we are now at the beginnings of the next presidential election, Even though I would vote for him, Jesus would not run because he did not come to create an earthly empire. He came to establish God's reign. God fails to conform to popular expectations time and time again. So let's ask ourselves this Christmas time, who or what are we expecting? Are we waiting for another? Who do we hope is God's agent of change are we ready for the unexpected are we ready to be surprised we can have fun with santa claus and complain and argue about the election process and the candidates but you know let's let's get serious about jesus being love incarnate and let's get serious about his message of love it is advent a time for adventure and seeking God. God is expecting. Who is God expecting? Is it that person in the mirror? Amen. And now a reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It is not ourselves that we proclaim. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For the same God who said, out of darkness let light shine has caused his light to shine within us to give the light of revelation, the revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Let us now say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, The collect for this day is from the third Sunday of, in Advent. Stir up your power, O Lord, and with great might come among us, and because we are sorely hindered by our sins, let your bountiful grace and mercy speedily help and deliver us through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Let us now take some time pausing our worship together, if you need to do that, to offer up our prayers of intercession, thanksgiving and praise for the world, for the church, for our national life, for the social and natural orders, for family and personal life, and in particular for those who are suffering and those who have died. Let us now pray the colic for the human family. It's found on page 815 of the Book of Common Prayer. O God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Take away the arrogance and hatred which infect our hearts. Break down the walls that separate us. Unite us in bonds of love. And work through our struggle and confusion to accomplish your purposes on earth. That in your good time, all nations and the one human race may serve you in harmony around your heavenly throne. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us now pray the Collect for Social Order and Social Justice, which is found on page 823 of the Book of Common Prayer. Grant, O God, that your holy and life-giving Spirit may so move every human heart, and especially the hearts of the people of this land, that barriers which divide us may crumble, suspicions disappear, and hatred cease, that our divisions being healed, we may live in justice and peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, let us pray the concluding collect from page 139 of the Book of Common Prayer. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for evening is at hand and a day is past. Be our companion in the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope that we may know you as you are revealed in Scripture and the breaking of bread. Grant this for the sake of your love. Amen. Now, go in peace, hope, and joy to love and serve our God in the name of our Teacher and Savior, Jesus.